This is In the Absence of Sports, a podcast that talks to coaches, players, broadcasters, and other team personnel affected by the coronavirus pandemic across the sporting world. Here's your host, Jeremy Otto. Welcome everyone to episode 22 of In the Absence of Sports. I'm your host, Jeremy Otto. I want to remind you to rewind if you didn't Listen to our last episode. It was a good one with head coach of the Madonna University football team in Livonia, Brian Foose. They are a first-year NAI startup, so they have never played a snap. They've never really practiced a snap because they went through a full season of redshirting guys and you know an effort to recruit to make it a little easier to start a program. So they were supposed to start practicing last spring, have a spring game like every other college football team, and then COVID hit. And we, we talked to Brian about what it's like not only to manage a first-year program as a head coach because it can be very challenging in many aspects, but to do it right smack dab in the middle of a pandemic as well. And also, you know, going through aspects of what it would be like as a, a college football coach in the climate of today and what games would look like and all that good stuff. So we had some good conversations there. Adam Amin, episode 20. Uh, we also talked about the virtual horse challenge uh, with two local high school basketball coaches in episode 19. And a very candid Rob Miller of the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference in the NAI, what Madonna is a part of for most other sports. They don't have a football sanction, if you will, uh, because there's not quite enough teams in the WAC yet, but that's, uh, I'm sure, coming. So a lot of interesting conversations when you look back episode 18 all the way up to 21 and here today I'm excited about our guest which we will get to in a second and there's certainly a lot of hot button sports topics going on right now just seeing the word about Stanford cover or canceling double digit sports programs because of um, you know cuts and COVID and everything going on they had 36 before today and the news broke, you also see the Ivy League coming out and say they're putting all sports on a pause until probably January. Yes, January. So that means not only is football affected, but college basketball affected in the Ivy League. So are we going to see a domino effect here? It's it's kind of scary how this is leading in, in terms of we were in a good spot. I mean, we see all these pro sports trying to launch the NBA, the MLB, the the plan for the NHL starting to come out, and, and now you see, you know, schools starting to potentially cancel in-person classes again, going back to online learning. So that's not going to be a good thing for college, nor is it going to be a good thing for the MHSAA and any other high school association across the country. We're going to get to that in a second with our guest, but I want to remind you right off the bat to subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button right now. Rate us there as well. We have 16 ratings for a sparkling 4.8 overall, 15 of them five stars. So I really appreciate your support and, and liking this podcast and that avenue as well. You can follow us on SoundCloud. Like this particular podcast. Go back and listen to the other ones and like those as well if you like what you hear. Follow us on Twitter at Absence of Sports. You can follow me there as well at Jeremy Otto PXP for play by play. Again, that's at J E R E M Y O T T O PXP. You can like us on Facebook. 
in the absence of sports as well. We've been, you know, posing some questions on social media. So if you want to weigh in there, we encourage it. And, you know, sometimes we put up polls. We did on July 6th. And it said this, will the MLB season start as planned? 39.1% of you percent said yes. 21.7% said it will be pushed back. And 39.1% said no baseball in, in 2020. So we'll see what... Uh, We'll see what happens there. I, I guess the large part, and certainly the largest aspect to this, is COVID-19 and the pandemic. The second largest was the labor agreements and everything that had to go into that. So that's one good thing. We had that kind of figured out as Major League Baseball basically forced a season on the players because they came to no agreement. But uh, will the pandemic stop things again? We, we're seeing positive tests. You look at the list. You can find it uh on various outlets and on social media and, and the web, but uh, certainly there's positive tests out there. And I think if anybody thought that we weren't going to have any positive tests, no matter how many safety precautions any of these leagues take, that's just not likely. It's not possible, uh, given how many, uh, you know, how spreadable this virus is. So that's if we're going to resume things, that's going to be something that's going to have to uh, be accepted to to some extent. Obviously, if you not, if you have an outbreak, you have to shut it down. That's there's no way around that, but uh, there's going to be one or two or three positive tests throughout this thing. It'll just be interesting to see if you can prevent an outbreak among these professional teams, these college teams, these high school teams, whenever they actually start playing games again. We also shared an article uh, from the Oakland Press, and there's many out there in terms of what's going to happen here in the MHSA. There's so much talk about high school baseball and high school softball, possibly switching seasons for one round of a year to the fall, moving football to the spring because of the contact nature of it. We said, you know, certainly it's an interesting debate. Do you want to see baseball and softball switch seasons in the MHSAA? Larry Griffin says, think of the kids' safety, and certainly that's that's number one. It's it's the kids' safety is number one in all this, and I think MHSA is doing a pretty good job in doing that as well. And you know, some people think of the contact right away and says it. Yes, it makes sense to switch seasons. So we'll see what they ultimately do, and that is the subject of our podcast here today. And we have a very relevant guest to discuss it. His name is Andrew Prattley. He's the head football coach at St. Joseph on the west side. It's a great area over there, great beaches over in St. Joseph. So he's got a nice spot not only to live but to coach football as well. He's also the president of the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association as well. So we're going to talk to him about that very fact. Will we see football in the spring? What will it look like? What's it going to take for us to have football here in the fall because there's certainly a number of factors and they're discussing all of them right now so we are pleased to have Andrew Prattley on the line. Coach how are you today? I'm doing fine thank you. I guess first things first Governor Whitmer you know makes a recommendation last week uh, to move football and other contact sports to the spring but then the MHSA comes out almost immediately a day or two after and says hey, look, we're still trying to play in the fall, and that's been their mindset. I, I guess both reactions on your part and coaches across the state to those two are what? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Governor uh, Wilmer did a you know press conference and just kind of made that a statement, but was kind of lost in that statement was the ability for the MHSA to, to really be the ones to make that decision. Um, you know, it's kind of what they do, and so 
um, with a return to school plan that was put in place um, that has some parts in that. And, and so obviously the goal is if we can get back to school, we want to be able to get back to all parts of what a school is about, and that includes athletics. So um, certainly hoping that that's the case. And um, MHSA has got a lot of uh, great ideas to try and make everything happen. Yeah, what has to happen for football to happen this fall normal? Yeah, obviously it's uh, a lot about what's going on with, uh, you know, the coronavirus and things with that. Um, so certainly making sure our numbers are, are low. And so, um, you know, watching the data each day, um, you know, hopefully moving to phase five would certainly help that cause. And, we're, you know, the only way we can move to phase five is if we can get the numbers to continue to, to go lower. So, um, you know, really the things we're trying to do our part with each and every day and, and sure hope that we can get back to football real soon. Yeah, I don't I don't think a lot of people on the outside looking in understand really what would happen if football moved to the spring. There's so many ramifications, so many moving parts that would have to happen. But number one, the thing I look at is some of these athletes in terms of them getting college scholarships, college looks, that's all going to change, right? Because, you know, you talk about two commitment periods, and they're early on in the winter slash, you know, very early spring in terms of when these guys have to commit to their colleges. Yeah, there's, there's a, several different negative aspects to move into the spring, um, and, and certainly the recruiting is one of them. Um, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of the big-time players are already committed, and, and so it's not as big a deal um, for them. Um, but it's a lot of guys, I mean, a lot of the recruiting – Everyone likes to talk about the studs and the D1 guys, and, and yet, um, you know, so many of our kids go on to play Division Two or an AIA or Division Three football, and, and a lot of that recruiting doesn't even start until after signing day. And so um, it does uh, make for a very interesting situation if we were to have to move to the spring, but um, I think that every head coach in the state would tell you that they'd rather have football in the spring than no football at all. So, Yeah, absolutely. I guess if that were to happen, obviously you'd have uh, – a spring season, then potentially another fall season. What's the talk in terms of how that would work in terms of time off and, you know, how that next one will be launched? Yeah, it's certainly something that, um, you know, I think we had had on the back burner from an association standpoint. And, and when we heard the governor's news and, and um, you know, had, had an inkling of the fact this may have to happen, certainly not something we're hoping happens, but um, we have had some initial talks about, what that does and really that that is our biggest concern as an association is um, making sure that our kids uh, have ample time to recover from the end of one season to the beginning of another now you know again if you've got a five-week playoffs the teams that are the majority of teams are done after the first week of the playoffs so they, they'll have an extra month compared to those teams that are playing for a state championship which you know may end up being the end of june um, and then practice starting up in august it gives just just over a month of of break and, and so it really would be an interesting and and uh you know from a safety aspect of making sure kids have ample time to recover and and so it might be a little limitation again next summer as to what we are allowed to do hey do you think there's going to be because football there's so many studies any contact sport these days football lacrosse hockey um even soccer to some extent with you know all the headers that happen off your head but um you think there's going to be some scientific uh, you know, weigh in in terms of what's going to be safe for kids to have a season back-to-back like that potentially? Yeah, I think that we certainly look at um, talking to a lot of experts, both uh, every level of college football and NFL with the, the doctors and, and the scientists that they work with and things like that. And we would certainly try to make sure that uh, we're not putting our kids in a position to be unsafe. Uh, the good news is obviously that we have um, that recovery period where uh, even in the summertime we don't do any contact really so um, it does allow for 
you know, some strength and conditioning, some recovery periods to get back at it. But it certainly would make for an interesting dynamic um, for those who just share our athletes with basketball and, and other sports during that summer period as well. well. What a time to be the president of the, the Coaches Association, I'm sure, right now. What's your normal role first, I guess, But when things are, are normal and there's no COVID? Uh, from an association standpoint? Yes, yep, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, the president's role typically is we have four meetings a, a year, and um, we really try to just uh, you know, grow the game of football in the state. And, and so um, had a lot of big things happen over the last uh, few years, kind of pushing forward with the playoff proposal that, that was finally passed and will go, hopefully go in effect this year. Um, you know, and then we obviously just passed the fifth quarter rule. Um, so a lot of good, exciting things changing and to kind of help promote our game and make our game better. And, and then obviously, uh, you know, the last six months have been a little bit different uh, in terms of dealing with, uh, you know, a pandemic and, and trying to just continue to guide our coaches and, and keep our kids as safe as possible. Yeah, talk about the new playoff rule because I think it's really intriguing. I think it's a great thing uh, because no longer can you just have a fluff nine-week schedule where you're scheduling five gimmies and you know the five or six wins that you need to get in. You need to have a competitive schedule in this state, and I'm sure that's um, kind of shaken up a few things when uh, putting together that lineup, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the intention. Uh, you know, We started this process. Oh, gosh, almost 11 years ago now um, with this talk of this proposal and really trying to look at how it affected scheduling. And it was really the big issue was people kind of avoiding other people and breaking up leagues and, and making people travel farther. And we really wanted to, to go back to having that great neighborhood rivalry where you may play a team that's maybe a little bigger, maybe a little better year to year, but um, it's great for the community, great for the county, or, or great for the region. And um, we've already started to see a lot of those games being scheduled where there's some um, backdoor rivalries, maybe they haven't happened since the 70s, but um, it's great for, for community and um, certainly great for crowd size. And, again, take on that risk-reward of, of playing a really good program. And if you fall short, you're still not um, penalized like you would in the old system. Um, so you still have an opportunity to, to gain some points and, and move your way up the playoff rankings and, and get a chance to maybe participate at 4-5, and 5-4, five, five and four, uh, rather than 6-3 and three and, and playing a, a little lesser schedule. So... Um, we're excited to see how it all works out. Yeah, say we have a shortened season. What do you think is the least amount of games possible in MHSA football? Because there's only nine regular season games, so you really can't cut that many down to make it make sense, right? Yeah, I mean, there's been some talk of a lot of different options, and I think it just depends on you know, whether that's a shortened fall season, whether that's a shortened uh, in the spring, whether that's something that would start in the fall and finish in the spring, you know, all those different options um, that are out there. And so... I really, you know, at this point, we're, we're hoping not to have any shortened seasons. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of minimum games, that you know, I guess it depends on the balance of the playoff games. And, and would you look to go, instead of a five-week playoff, you know, go a four-week playoff because you can only fit 10 games in or 12 games in. And uh, so it really has to be the balance of what we can do. And, and the goal, as always, is, is to make sure we get kids playing the game that we think is great um, and get them around, um, you know, great coaches and, and great teammates across the state and continue to grow them as young men. You brought up something that I haven't heard uh, quite yet. Obviously, everything's on the table right now, and nobody knows what's going on. But you mentioned the you know, start in the fall, finish in the spring. Would that be potentially if you had to cancel the whole thing because of spikes, or what's the idea behind that? Or Yeah, I think that if, um, if for some reason, you know, uh, yeah, we got a big, you know, get, get into September and something happened where their cases were going um, a lot, where you know maybe they move back to phase three, or, or schools were shut down, or things like that. That 
uh, wouldn't necessarily mean a cancellation of things, um, you know, just a suspension and try to pick up, much like you're seeing with the NBA and, and Major League Baseball and NHL. You know, the, some of those things were cut down in, in March and they're finishing them, you know, four, five, six months later. And so, um, you know, and whenever it's safe for kids again, we'd like to try and get those in. I think the MHSA has made that clear that their their main goal is to make sure we have three seasons for kids, uh, even if they're shortened, even if they look a little different. Um, we don't want kids to have to go through what our seniors this past spring had to. One criticism or, I guess, frustration among coaches and or fans, whatever you want to say, around Michigan is the travel restriction that they have in terms of teams. Do you see that changing at all with some of these other changes coming through? Um, in terms of uh, being able to play farther away? Correct. Yeah, when, when things are normal, obviously that's not doable now. Yeah. And it, it, there's, no, I, there's no use talking about it now, but in terms of the future, <laughs> if, if COVID is gone and we're back to normal nine-week in the fall schedule, you think that that'll ever happen at some point? Yeah, I think these things that we were certainly talking about, I know that there's some um, certain summer restrictions that we're hopefully looking at for the next couple of years to maybe allow some of that travel um, to be able to go farther and play teams from other states. That's a possibility. And, I think we see how that goes in the summertime and and see if there's a, a possibility of continuing that. You know, the biggest thing is it's, it's the uh, expense, you know, of putting burdens on school budgets and, and those kinds of things that are um, already not um, in a great place. So we certainly don't want the, our sport to add to that. But if there's an opportunity that there's a funding source or things like that, I think that we would um, certainly be – uh, looking into what that might look like in the future. I got an interesting take from somebody kind of involved in the high school athletic scene that said, hey, look, Jeremy, it's going to be tough to limit fans um, at a, a high school stadium because, uh, number one, you don't have cops like you do normally. I mean, uh, from game to game, unless you're talking about prep kickoff classic or some of your bigger matchups in the state playoffs or whatever. But you don't know, readily have security around. You can't not necessarily close it off. Do you think that will be an issue if it comes to the point where there can be no fans in the stands? Is it going to be an issue to even rectify that, I guess, because of the nature of high school sports? Well, it will be interesting. I think that's a, certainly a challenge that athletic directors and superintendents are talking about is, is how do we limit the crowds to 100 or 250, and how do we choose those people, and, and how do we really regulate that? And I think that's a, a certainly something that's going to have to be discussed, um, working with local uh, law enforcement or um, you know other opportunities that may be to help um, in that regard, and then certainly have to look at broadcasting games and other alternatives to make sure fans can see those. But um, it's one of the biggest you know things that we've been talking about um, is you know what's that Friday night like. Uh, because while we want to play football and uh, we, you know, we want to play no matter what, um, it certainly is nice to have that experience of what it's like to play on a Friday night in the fall and um, the crowds and the band and the cheerleaders and, and really the entire student body and communities rallying around and, and, and seeing the uh, young people perform um, in all aspects of that experience. And, and so, um, you know, we certainly hope that that can be engaged, but, uh, you know, time will tell. How much you guys talk, and I'm sure a lot of discussion has gone into the workouts because to some extent teams are already doing that, not maybe to the normal standard they would at this point um, in, in the summer leading to early fall, but at the same point, you know, guys and girls are working out uh, kind of separately, socially distanced uh, with safety precautions. But have you talked about what a game might look like and how that might be different than any other time? In terms of, you yeah. know, you're, you on the sideline, how players are interacting with each other, high fives, all that, you know, stuff that goes into COVID. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, that was a big part of our discussion last night was um, American Football Coach Association had put out some recommendations uh, 
So we kind of went over those last night with our our head coaches, and really uh, a lot of things will change. You know, certainly um, on the field play is really, you know, trying to, to be very similar to what it had been in the past. There's not a lot of change there, maybe with the exception of some recommendations, maybe looking at the face shields and things like that. But um, it's really about the sidelines, keeping the social distancing on the sidelines. So um, some of that will look a little harder at um, locker rooms, uh, you know, team meetings and, and uh, stretching and those kinds of things, you know, look a little different. And, um, you know, uh, everyone with their own water bottle, potentially timeouts longer, being able to use more of the field for the sidelines. And there's a lot there that, um, you know, it's it's a difficult task, but it's something that I think all of us are willing to do in order to make sure our young people have the opportunity to continue to play. Is it possible, say, one area of the state gets shut down at a certain point in the season, but another is still going, or will everything shut down if, say, Detroit is a hot pocket or Lansing or Grand Rapids? Yeah, I think that the way the MHSA is approached, and I think it's probably been a, a great thing, is really it's an all-or-one thing. It's, it's really tough to say. Uh, you guys can't play anymore, but you guys can. And it's kind of the way we're at right now with Phase 4 and Phase 5 across the state. Yeah, I know there were Michigan coaches, a lot of them last night, asking why they can't throw 7-on-7s seven seven yet um, and run a full actual camp because they're in Phase 5 and we're all in Phase 4. And really just about that competitive balance, um, you know, really making sure that certain teams aren't getting ahead of others when it's not. Um, it's just about location. And so I think the same thing would be true in the game situation. You guys have so done. I don't want to speak for them, but. Yeah, no, for sure. You you guys have done quite a few Zoom calls, I believe, since this kind of went down, and certainly with association members, with MHSA officials, just amongst yourself. What's the mood like among all these head coaches out there? Yeah, I think I think there was a lot of edge, um, you know, with the governor's statement and some some unknown and. Um, you know, so it was great to get guys on a call last night and be able to answer all these questions and be able to kind of put everybody back in the same place. And uh, we've really tried to do our best to, you know, communicate with the MHSA on a weekly basis and sometimes even more than that, um, just to make sure that, that we're getting the up-to-date information as best that we can. And uh, and then we try to share what we can with our, uh, you know, members through our association. And, and uh, we just felt like, you know, anytime we can get a chance to, to get that many guys on a call and, and get questions answered. Uh, you know, it's amazing how many guys might have the same questions. So we put it in the chat and we can answer it right away for everybody. Um, you know, it's great. And, and we will have, you know, uh, Mark um, was awesome and he did a great job and we really appreciate his time as well. So say play starts in the fall and you guys only have a couple weeks, you know, to practice as normal. We're going to see a lot of incompletions, a lot of false starts. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Well, it'd be interesting because right now you can throw a little bit. Uh, that's probably about the only thing you can do with a football, wipe it down and throw. But uh, So the handoff exchange is probably the thing, you know, to be the, the craziest. The fumbles might be a little bit higher than the incompletions. But, you know, it's one of those things. Kids adapt quickly, um, you know, and then we're all in the same boat. So uh, I think that the, we're trying to encourage our coaches is, you know, do do your best to make it so that we can have football because uh, all the – you know, guidelines and everything else to protect our kids and, and protect our coaches and make sure that we're able to do that. And so uh, it's going to be a little unique, and there might be some, some hiccups along the way in terms of play, but uh, kids will get back in the swing of it, coaches will get back in the swing of it, and, and hopefully uh, have some good football by the end of the season. Yeah, what are you guys doing uh, at St. Joseph in particular to prepare for what may or may not happen here in the fall? Yeah, I think it's it's as much as we can. You know, business as usual. We uh, work out in the morning, socially distant. We don't exactly have the weight room anymore because you can't go inside so 
we are, um, you know, just trying to do what we can uh, to get our kids in shape and um, get ready for the season, doing some skill development, social distance. Uh, again, it's a little tricky with offensive linemen not being able to hit bags or shields. So it's a lot of technique work with just stances and, and uh, you know, staying away from each other. And uh, the biggest thing I think in our workouts is, I must say, stay six feet apart about 50 times a, a minute um, just because the kids are naturally wanting to, to talk to each other and, and uh, especially the younger kids. Uh, you know, just uh, it's crazy, but we're doing our best to, to make sure we're following all the guidelines and, and keep our kids safe. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm sure this is going to continue to evolve as the season goes on. Do you see yourself simplifying your playbook and coaches across the state doing that, you think, if, if things are back to normal here? You know, I think one of the greatest things the MHSA did for us was back in, in April, May time frame, and in April and May allowed us to start doing the, the, the uh, video calls with our kids. And so we spent a lot of time with position groups and offense and defense and special teams and, and really giving them some mental, um, you know, development and mental coaching going through installs that way um so in some kind of twisted ways i almost feel like our kids are a little more mentally prepared than they maybe have ever been in terms of playbook uh, at this point in the year um and so i think that's something that that uh it's more physical at this point you know being able to get them back in shape after so much time off and and really get them in football condition Kind of the second to last week of july is the time frame for a decision is that still kind of uh what they're saying right now yeah, I think uh, somewhere around July 20th, you know, give or take a few days is um, what they're looking at. And, and really it's just trying to hold out as long as possible to, to really see where the numbers are, see where the recommendations are, um, and really try to do our best to, again, keep everyone safe and healthy. And so um, we can hopefully wait as long as possible before we know whether we have to switch seasons or delay things or anything like that. Uh, you know, we'll do the best we can. Has there been any talk if the season is pushed back? I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's at Ford Field for a reason. Number one, it's a great venue. It's a, a great benchmark for any player or coach to say, hey, yeah, we're, we're trying to get to Ford Field for the state championship and some other leagues hold their championships down there as well. But would there ha- if the season was pushed back a couple weeks and they try to roll with a regular schedule, any talk of moving a couple more playoff games indoors or kind of too early to know that? Yeah, I think it's uh, too early to know. I do know there's some contingency plans they have in place for, for a lot of different scenarios. Um, multiple games indoors might be a challenge, but certainly continue to try to hold that state finals um, for the 11-man games at the uh, Ford Field would certainly be a continued goal and, and just have to match that up uh, as best we can. What's your gut tell you right now in terms of our end of August uh, week one? Are we going to see it? Um, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm a little skeptical just because they, a little looks, uh, looks kind of dire in some of the states across the country and, and how that might affect us with movement. Um, but hoping that in Michigan we continue to stay safe and, and do the things that we're asked to do as a community to help out each other and, and get us a chance to get back to normal. So we're certainly uh, hoping for the best. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for stopping by. This was some great stuff. Certainly a lot of things at the top of my mind as I try to figure out what my fall is going to look like from a work perspective as well. But thanks for taking some time. Best of luck. We hope to see everybody on the field at some point, either in 2020 or 2021, huh? Appreciate that very much. Thank you. 
It's Andrew Prattley, the head coach at St. Joseph and president of the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association. Well, that just about wraps up episode 22 of In the Absence of Sports. We want to remind you to subscribe. Hit the pause button right now. Do that on Apple Podcasts. Rate us there as well. Make it 16 and then 17 and then 18 ratings. We want to see how you feel about this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Absence of Sports. You can like us on Facebook as well by searching in the absence of sports. We'll kind of continue to put up some of those polls. We want to hear your thoughts as you know we see the Ivy League kind of can their seasons, possibly until January, Stanford cut their sports, uh, and everything else cycling in with Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA trying to resume their seasons as well. We'll see you soon for Episode 23. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to In the Absence of Sports. Interact with the show and Jeremy on Twitter at JeremyAutoPXP. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-O-T-T-O-P-X-P. See you again soon for another episode of In the Absence of Sports.